Hello, and welcome to Five Alive. It's so awesome to have you with us today. Today, we are going to continue talking about having characteristics of being a Christian or a Christ follower, and I want to continue this off of last week where we were talking about godliness. This week, we're going to be talking about godliness in our speech or in the way that we speak. When I'm talking about speech or speaking, what is it that comes to your mind? Talk. You think of a, an addressing of people by a person? Um, like, like a speech debate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's definitely another one, yes. Figure of speech is another I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're speaking or when we have speech in all of these different types of ways, what do we convey about our emotions when it comes to the way we speak to somebody? Can you speak to somebody very passionately, but yet the receiver looks at it a different way than the way that you are speaking? Or can you speak to somebody very lovingly and the person take it the wrong way? Like when it comes to our speech, what do we need to do in order to make sure that all parties have an understanding of what's going on? Add punctuation to our speech. Let's go. End everything in period. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. (laughs) Right, because there's some scenarios where you may remember it one way, and that is not at all how the scenario went. And you fast forward it like three or four years later, and hey, you were so mad during this time, and I have proof because I've made a recording of it. So you listen to the recording of yourself three years ago. Wait, it's gonna, you're going to be mad. Okay, you're going to be mad. Okay, oh, wow, you never got mad. Then why do I remember you as being mad? But it's just how we perceive things. Like, no matter how well you communicate, you don't know how the receiver is going to receive. Right. What about uh, text messages or emails? Could those be taken completely the wrong way when we're speaking through a letter form in that regard? Yes. You have a something? Um, you don't have so, to raise your hand. Like whenever Addison texts me, sometimes she asks me questions and then I'm like, I have no idea how to phrase this into a sentence in, in text. So I'm just not going to answer the question because I don't know how to phrase it because it would be easier to say it out loud Mm. than it would be to write it in the text because I do not text fast. I'm like an old person texting, like with one finger, everything. (laughs) Well, that's why there's the speech button where you can add the audio recording and just answer it. Yeah, I always forget about that. (laughs) <laughs> or, yeah, or you and can, then I never know if they spell it right or not because sometimes they autocorrect things because right. they don't hear me, and I'm like, is that correct or not? Exactly, yeah. like autocorrect, like I'm gonna come get you, is what you want to type, but instead of the receiver getting, I'm going to come get you, it's I'm going to come eat you, <laughs> and it's like, oh no, 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 and then you're like backing it up with an asterisk, it's get, not eat, like get, like I'm not gonna eat you, so it. It can be taken the wrong way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And what about like in emails? Like sometimes people are like, man, you were so harsh in that email. And you're like, I was just trying to make the point. Like I wasn't trying to be harsh. I was just trying to be um, uh, straight, straightforward, direct. And I, it wasn't supposed to be mean or overbearing or harsh, but yet I was just trying to uh, be very direct in the email. That's a way of speech that gets misconstrued. And then we also hurt people's feelings. Conduct conduct 101 for when it comes to reading an email. Now it's like you read the email once, yeah, then you read it again twice, and then you read it again for the third time. Then you got to take in the questions of consideration. Who is this coming from? 
what are they trying to say? And am I hearing them from where they're coming from? Or am I immediately making an accusation of when I first initially read the email? Like, am I projecting my feelings into the email? Mm -hmm. Did we have this kind of etiquette when we were writing letters to people? Absolutely, we did. Because people would misconstrue just letter, handwritten letters, right? Sure. I mean, just the simple three words, I love you, can be taken the wrong way. Do they love me? Mm. Oh, are they saying that sarcastically? Are they saying that ill upon me, like, I love you, wishing for me to die? Just our words can get misconstrued. I want to take a look at a passage of scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. I will read that to kind of get us started off today. And it says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, be e- being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So take notice that in this passage there's conditions that are proving the person to be good and or evil within their heart. And what comes out of a person's mouth or what is written across with a pen or what is typed out on an iPhone or Android phone or a, a computer, whatever is typed out in those regards, the speech of a person's attitude is what is conveyed from the deepest part of who they are. What do you think about that? Is that, is that fair, a fair judgment, a fair assessment? Is this truthful or, I mean, is the Bible wrong here? Like, how do, how do we look at this in re- regards to somebody's speech because and the reason I ask that let me let me uh, start here is I've heard several people say that if you get squeezed with enough pressure from the outside world that what will come out of you is what's really with inside of you and so if you act in anger obviously what's within you is really you're an angry person and so what you're doing is you're just wearing a mask constantly where you're trying to pretend like you're somebody that's really good But when pressure hits you and when pressure pushes on you and when pressure weighs upon you and you come out ugly, that's obviously the person that you really are. I think that's contrary to what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying here is that the person with a good heart will always speak out of goodness. And even when that is an aggressive speech, like Jesus saying, you brood of vipers, I mean, he's calling the Pharisees and the Sadducees out saying, you're a brood of vipers. In today's society, in the 21st century, we kind of look at that and go, oh my goodness, can you believe Jesus said, you brood of vipers? He must have something hidden deep in his heart. But that's not what Jesus has at all. He's correcting. He's bringing out the correction of what's going on. You are throwing your arms around and obviously have something very important to say, please. I wear a mask every day when I go outside. Different mask. (laughs) So, what we see in this passage is that you're going to be adjudged according to your speech. And when something harsh is said, and let's notice that Jesus is calling the Pharisees, Sadducees, a brood of vipers. And this is obviously not an affectionate term, but Christ, who is without sin, is saying this in order to bring forth directness, correction. He is 
making a point that he is calling the Pharisees and Sadducees out that they need to reflect in on what they're trying to discuss, what they're trying to bring about, the way that they're judging other people. And he is bringing them to a point where they have to make a decision. Either I am going to allow my heart, which is starting to head down an evil road, continue down that pathway, or I am going to allow my heart to be purified by the corrective words of what Jesus is saying here. And I am going to allow those words to draw me back into being a more godly person. When Jesus is saying this, he is trying to bring it out in a way that really grabs the attention of a person. And so I've actually got a couple of scenarios here that I'd like to um, throw out there and just see what your reaction would be. Uh, You're walking down the street or you're in the marketplace or you're at work or you're going down the stairs at the gym and somebody says something really rude to you in passing. What, what's your reaction? Fall down the stairs. (laughs) I've done that before. (laughs) Somebody called me the wrong name. Yeah. Again. (laughs) I was so upset. And I turned around and I said, for the fifth time, my name is Blair. And I turned back around and I fell down the stairs. And I said, well, (laughs) I deserve that. (laughs) Because it just irked me so badly. Okay. What would your reaction be? Somebody speaking rudely to you. Anger. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Have a great comeback. (laughs) You you would maybe have a comeback? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I just stare and like, is this really happening? You know, kind of a sure. thing. You're caught off guard. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, with anger, are you ever driven to like, oh man, I need to beat the crap out of this person? Uh, yes. Not immediately. <laughs> if it keeps happening over... If it gets escalated? If it escalates to the point, then yes. But whenever it's just one comment or offhanded remark, then no. If it's just someone passing by, it makes you angry, but then I just move on okay try to okay uh you ordered a product from a vendor and you need to complete your larger transaction and or business deal however the vendor is not answered his your phone calls for the past two days you need the product by today minimum so what you do is you get in your car you drive to the vendor's location and he's actually there how do you speak with him hello i am identify who I am and I've been trying to reach you and you're here. Where's my product? No. Did you see any of my emails come through or my messages? You're so so kind. You're going to be kind like that. I was at the thingamajigger in the United States, not (laughs) India post office. (laughs) I was very kind until they told me it was my fault when it was the paper was clearly sitting right there in front of them. Like that paper, that's all I need is that piece of that envelope right there in front of you with my name on it. That's mine. No, ma'am, this does not have your name on it. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I have proof. That is me. No, ma'am. I think your proof is false. You've scanned in somebody else's picture that looks exactly like you. And, and so? has. Yeah, it's, it's, it's irritating. You, okay, <laughs> it's irritating, definitely. Can you maintain a Christ-like attitude and speech and elevate your voice and demand the transaction be completed and do all of that without sinning? Is it possible to make those kinds of demands and even be a righteous anger well up within you that, hey, 
I have paid you for products in order to get these services and you have not completed the task. And is it okay? Godliness, is that still able to be executed in your speech and yet be very direct and very wanting to see this product come through to a point where you don't allow sin to enter or bitterness to enter into your heart? Is that possible? Yes. 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 Because if you stick to the root of the issue and don't let it go off personally, so if you're in there for a certain thing and for a certain product, and as long as you concentrate on the product of what you're trying to get, lay the person, the human behind, okay, and don't take any of that account. Like, do not call them lazy. Do not call them this. <laughs> I mean, do not, you know, do not speak ill of them. But concentrate on why you're in there and the product. You have an employee. They've been accused of harassment in the workplace what is harassment harassment sexual oh. activity well no just no. any kind of harassment, harassment doesn't matter yeah yeah so verbal. they've been accused of harassment they've been accused of harassment on more than one occasion and so you are about to have your final exit meeting with them because you are going to fire them how do you conduct that meeting in your speech okay so you say good morning let's say good morning and you said uh i've heard that you have been accused of harassment and they say well i've never done that before and you say well since you're accused of it i cannot keep you with us so that way our company doesn't go down i'm so sorry but you are fired okay you'd be great for that role <laughs> fired. that is definitely one way of doing it anything yeah. anything else and they would exchange some words and that's on them and that's on them it really takes time to get to that point. Because I would say, like, if I was, like, 18, 19, 20, definitely mid-20s, it would upset me. Like, if I knew, like, if I was the one that would have to bring somebody up on the, the sexual harassment um, tendencies, which I have had that done towards me, and then turning that into my boss, and then that person going behind my back, and saying that I wanted it, that this was intended because... Right, justifying actions. Right. And so therefore, my head boss pulled me into the office and told me not to be uh, acting that I wanted something from this guy, that I wanted sex from him. And I was like, you've got to be kidding well, me. Well, that wouldn't tables happen today. Turned. Hashtag me too. I know. But yeah. But tables turned. But then when I left the office, because I was like, sure, yeah, go... Are you going to fire me? This would be great. They go ahead and fire me. I, I will lose my position and just go get another job. That's, right. that's fine. I don't have any stake in the game, so to say. And then coming out of the office, out of the boss's office, the assistant manager and everyone else knew who I was and the conduct of who I am and the character of whom I am. And they were like, you're in the right. Yeah. So in this scenario, what we're talking about is we're talking about pressures and all of those things coming down on top of you. And what continues to come out of you is people understand what your character was leading up to this time. They know how you acted in the middle of the situation. They know how you're acting afterwards. And so that shows the type of heart you have, even when you're in the middle of speech, even when you are speaking harshly to somebody, they still understand where you're coming from, right? Mm-hmm. But harassment is really hard to deal with, especially when you see it and you're supposed to report it. And it's like, do I report it? Do I not report it? Like those are right. 
Well, and that's why I, I wanted to bring it up as a scenario because it's a very real scenario that we deal with. And so how does our speech reflect our godliness in those moments and we not allow it to take control and cause us, I don't know, sleepless nights or something that we're constantly dwelling on and thinking on so that that way we can't get any of our actual work accomplished or then we, we can't even have a good friendship with other people because that's what's constantly on our mind and not being in the moment with the friends that we're with or with the family members with, that we're with. Or, you know, maybe there is a, a, a great event going on the, that following weekend. You're getting ready to fire somebody for har harassment and, and then you're getting ready to go to uh, your best friend's engagement party or to their wedding. And then is your whole weekend blown because you had to deal with that situation at work? Or are you allowing the godly character and your godly speech to not allow bitterness to take root inside of you so that that way you can continue to go on with the rest of your life and not have that dwelling place? And and so how do we do that? How do we continue to focus in on uh, our, our godly principles now that we are followers of Jesus, now that we are Christians? How do we make sure that our demands are met when they need to be met, et cetera, et cetera? I have one more scenario, and then we're going to go on from here. A person you thought of as a close friend is talking about you behind your back. You see them in the market. What do you do or what do you say? Say hello to them and ask them how they're doing. How's the work? How's job? How's their family? Have you ever witnessed where somebody avoids you because they have been talking about you? And so you see them and then all of a sudden they like disappear somehow. It's like they duck behind because they don't want to run across you. Have you ever come across a situation like that? Not with friends, but in my, in my relations. I have experienced those. Yeah, yeah. Like too often back in the day. To the point that I just felt the need to, okay, let's keep that aside. That's... Uh, something that I don't, don't want to deal with. Yeah. So it's usually also about, you know, uh, you give that particular person some number of chances. Let's say uh, it happened once, already had a dialogue and everything was sorted. Then it happened again. Then you sort it again and it comes to a point where you're like, hey, this is now, you know, this has crossed the, you know, into, uh, uh, into an area of uh, a predicament with there's no coming back. Hmm. You know, the cracks have developed and uh, there's no coming back from it. And those, the other end of uh, the people, you know, they'll just outrightly, they'll deny it. Yeah, no, yeah. No. So, and that can anger you. But at the same time, you have to be like, uh, you know, keep it in minding of yourself, like uh, slow to anger. Mm -hmm. The scripture way of, you know, dealing with the anger, that situation. Mm -hmm. So that's the real test, you know. It is. It's right a, then and there, you know. It's a, it's a massive test. And I mean, that's like Jesus said when it comes to forgiving somebody. He says to forgive them 70 times 7. And he's not talking about 490 times. He's saying that we constantly forgive them. Uh, but yeah, there is a certain point where they aren't a close confidant anymore. They aren't that person that we go to for uh, certain things because they've... You said the cracks have been formed. They've lost that foundational. Yeah, everything uh, has a limit. I think yeah. uh, once you cross that, it has a saturation point, and uh, everyone has a limit. Yeah, yeah. You can only you can only take it so much, and then you're like, all right, let's go on our separate ways. Right, and then walking in forgiveness, you can still forgive that person and walk in forgiveness with them. It's just that the relationship now takes a different dynamic or mm -hmm. changes in, in the way it exactly. is uh, executed. Our words are weighed 
and are being listened to according to the passage of scripture that we read just a little while ago, Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Our words are being weighed and they're being listened to. Our attitude is being evaluated and whether we speak the truth or not is being determined. Intelligent people look to see if you have the authority in what you say or what you're speaking about and people also determine whether or not you are speaking outside your sphere of knowledge. People also determine if you are using an untested line of thinking in order to manipulate them. Some people speak to cause others to think more highly of themselves or even manipulate them unto loyalty or to do something for the speaker. This makes it important for us as Christians, followers of Jesus, to think before we speak. This is one of my favorite things to say. Did you think before you spoke? It's one of my favorite things to ask myself. Did I think before I spoke? Go ahead. Whenever people always say, do you think before you speak to me in my head, I'm always thinking like, well, of course I thought before I spoke because I'm the one that said it and I'm able, and when you're able to say it, it means that you're thinking to say it. Yeah, sometimes, but sometimes we just, we don't even, we just rationally throw something out there just, Blah, 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 blah. And we didn't really think before we spoke. We did it just out of spite, out of hatred, maybe even, or out of, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get them. They said that, and I remember this thing about them, so I'm gonna throw that back in their face. I guess maybe they mean by think before you speak, think of good things before you say something bad out loud. Be thoughtful is what it actually means. Think yeah. before you speak. As in, be wary of the situation. Yeah, being aware of the situation, exactly. So it's not always got to be something that's good, because again, sometimes correction has to take place. Proverbs refers to this numerous places. I will just give references to those. Proverbs 6, 1 through 5, Proverbs 8, 4 through 11, Proverbs 10, 11, Proverbs 18, 4, Proverbs 21, 23. Proverbs 31, 32, and 33, and Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, and 6 and 7. So now that your heart is changed and you are Christ-like, your conversations and conversation skills have changed or are beginning to change or are in the process of being changed, and your heart is going to be grounded in proclaiming Jesus as Messiah, Master, and King. Your language to your spouse, if you're married, will be for the their good and for your spouse's best interests and that way it is reflective of your love for your spouse when you're speaking to your kids if you're a parent your desire will be to train them in ways of christ and you will also want your words to mirror what your heart is if your heart is pure if your heart is clean when you're talking to your children that's exactly what you want the same thing to be when you're speaking with them this makes business deals when you're at the job that you're going to be thinking through things with keeping Christ first. Your language or your words is not to back down in those tough circumstances, but instead you must carry the weight of the truth on your side when you're dealing with your business partners, the board, a debtor, a vendor, or a colleague. It's important for your words, no matter the situation, to begin the process of lining up with Christ and what the Bible says. So does this mean that you can no longer think for yourself? 
No. No. Does this mean that you have to let people run all over you because you're just supposed to be the good guy and the good guy always lets everybody take advantage of them? No. 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 Does this mean that you can never have a disagreement with somebody else? No. Absolutely not. In your daily life, you will find times that you are trying to portray something and it comes across in a negative way or a way that is you are accused of being false. You will find uh, that a word that you used or that you use is not appropriate for all situations. You will discover that the gravity of your words and that that they will cause harm to people when you are speaking with them and therefore they will be hurt and, and as a result, hurt you back. When you find yourself being convicted in your heart by the Holy Spirit in these matters, that you know that you've done something wrong, Christ will still forgive you. Don't waste time condemning yourself. If you find that your words have hurt another person, go immediately and ask them to forgive you. If you misrepresent the truth, correct yourself and ask for forgiveness and discover that the truth will be present while you're in the middle of that discussion and conversation. Your words are important, which is why Proverbs 17:28 says, Even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Wonderful. I read it all. I'm so good. You are good. All right, so now we're going to look over a couple of passages of Scripture with some questions. We're starting off with James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is a large passage of Scripture. Uh, What we're going to be asking ourselves is, who is the perfect person? Why is the tongue so dangerous? And what hypocrisy is being dealt with specifically in verses 9 through 12? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, and wherever the will of the pirate directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small flame, fire, and the tongue is a fire and world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and our Father. With it we curse people, who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. So who would the perfect person be according to this passage of scripture? Christ. Verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in his word, he is a perfect man. I'm not perfect. 
I'm not perfect either. You, if you keep in me trying to read the first portion of the scripture, <laughs> I'm definitely not perfect. I read that three times not knowing what I'm saying. Why is the tongue so dangerous? Because people take words for granted. Because mm -hmm. out of it can come both good and evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you can go to a, you know, to a, I'll, I'll specifically pick on us as Christians. We can go to church and we can sing praise and worship songs. But before we even got to church in the first place, we could be fighting with everybody in our household. Mm -hmm. How is it possible for us to be able to fight with everybody in our old household, not say one prayer, not ask for forgiveness, not do any of those things, and yet walk into church service full of bitterness and hate, and then all of a sudden lift our voice to praise God? Pretense. Yeah. The pretentious kind. Yeah. Or even afterward, we have a great service, and then we walk out afterwards, and we are, like, talking bad about, did you see so-and-so? Can you believe that they were doing this and that? And, did oh you my see goodness. what she was with? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's why the tongue is so dangerous, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It has these evil and good things come out of it. So who has tamed, who has tamed the tongue? Xavier already answered you that it was Christ. Know. But has anybody else tamed the tongue? No. I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? I remember reading a, a book on Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant movement, after he nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the church. Some of the ways that he words stuff in there is just so straight to the point, but yet you can also tell that the way he's wording it is so that that way he can really get under other people's skin. So that that way, almost it's as if he had a little bit of an evil intention to grab people's attention by saying, because where he wrote the 95 Theses was out by where the toilets were at. And he said, basically, if I can write this out of the toilet, then you need to change the way that you're thinking, talking to the church elders. And uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of an interesting way of seeing that our tongue can do two different things. It can praise God, but at the same time, it can tear people apart who are made in God's image. In verses 9 through 12, which I just referenced, uh, what hypocrisy is being dealt with here? With our tongue, we bless God our Father, and we curse men who are made in His image. What kind of hypocrisy is being made there? The hypocrisy of saying what you, doing what you believe, but fully committing to one I mean one belief because I mean us as Christians we're held to by the world they hold us to a standard that we're never supposed to swear we're never supposed to get angry and we're never supposed to do any of that stuff and so whenever people hear Christians say something that slanders another person and they're doing it out of hatred then they're like aha we caught you you're not a perfect person you're not a perfect believer and so obviously your religion is awful yeah no definitely Next passage of scripture is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. I'm going to talk like that. Please just read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk like this the whole time. <laughs> Again, ye have heard that it hath stopped doing. <laughs> it said that? It stopped doing that? What did it stop doing? Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord 
thy oaths, but I say unto you, Swear not that all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shall thy swear by thy head, because thou cantest not make one own hair black or white, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more. <laughs> it's what it says. Yes, it does. Whatsoever <laughs> is more than these cometh of evil. Thank you very much. I was imagining you reading it in your voice. <laughs> nay, nay. <laughs> I was thinking of a cow or a goat or something. <laughs> so the missing enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nay, nay. Uh, what was the, what's the main point of the passage that you just read about oaths specifically? Your hair. Turning black or white. Well, no. you you have no control over that, yeah. It's saying commit to what you're saying. Let your yes be yes and your no be a no, and don't be so fickle minded that you're changing your opinion all the time. Fickle, mm. fickle minded. Yeah, fickle. You like fickle. that? Big words. Fickle. I'm a senior in high school. I get to use those. <laughs> Actually, I'm a homeschooler. I get to use those even fickle, more now. Fickle minded. Fickle I'm, minded. I'm a, I'm a last year of middle school. I don't know that word. It was interesting. I read Canterbury Tales probably for the past 10 weeks, let's say. I would read one book of the Canterbury Tales uh, each each week, uh, Saturday. And I just finished yesterday book 10. And the parson, he says, I'm not going to give a story uh, because that's what Canterbury Tales is, as a bunch of stories, nine books of stories. The 10th book, the parson says, uh, I'm going to give a sermon. And so at the end, when he is talking in the sermon, he actually references oaths and he references this passage of scripture and how it's so commonplace for people to swear. And when we're talking about swearing, we're not talking about using bad language. When we're talking about swearing, we're talking about, oh, I promise that I'm going to do this. And it, here in India, we have a way of catching somebody sometimes. I mean, people still say it and don't hold it true, but you'll be like, really? That's really going to happen, pukka? It's going to happen? It's going to happen, pukka? And they'll be like, yeah, pukka. And that's supposed to mean, yeah, I swear. It's done. It's going to happen. And I've been in those situations where I've talked to somebody that way and got them to pukka me, and yet they still didn't hold true to their word. Pukka up. <laughs> that doesn't work does it <laughs> i got them to say pucka to me and yet they still broke their promise they Get still need to hear that by the way let's see what she makes of it <laughs> they still didn't follow through with what they said and so when we're talking about our commitments our language is a huge part of making a commitment to somebody. How about the biggest commitment of all that we see broken quite often, and that is the commitment of marriage? That's why you write your own vows. 
What is that supposed to mean? Off the if it's not in the vows that you wrote, then you don't have to commit to it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what <laughs> Whereas you're Whereas like if you do yeah. like the traditional wedding vows, you're like committed to everything. Exactly. But if you write your own vows, then you're only committed to what you think you bring to the marriage. Yeah, so people... Then I'll tell my husband, don't write your own vows. We're going to do it the old-fashioned way. Well, mommy and I did the old-fashioned way, but I mean, it's in sickness and in health. In good times and bad times, for richer and for poorer, in all of these times, I commit myself to you. And yet, people look for a loophole within the marriage commitment. In other words, they're not allowing their yes to be yes and their no to be no, as it says here in Matthew chapter 5, 33 through 37. Yes, they're unfaithful. That's right. That's right. Uh, as a follower of Christ, how reliable must your word be? Can you be depended upon? to do exactly what you say you're going to do sometimes sometimes i forget what people say sometimes i forget what like i'm supposed to do if i'm supposed to be dependable and they like tell me to do this thing sometimes i forget or like sometimes i wasn't even paying attention at all sure that happens but how should we be be perceived how should god understand our heart to be in these moments of hey i forgot but you've been so diligent all of these other times that you're for, you're forgiven immediately because oh, you forgot you were really busy. Oh, I understand that. That's what happens. And knowing your own limitations as a person, like not overcommitting. When we overcommit, Ooh. then that's when we become undependable. And there's periods of times where we have to learn our max of what we can do and what we cannot do. Yeah, yeah, you're very right. Especially, I mean, that's. Part of it, right? Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. <laughs> Is that, are you allowed to say no when it comes to somebody asking you to commit to something? Yes. No. <laughs> you are. Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. But now you must put them all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The Apostle Paul wrote Colossians. What is he saying here about how our speech is to be? Do not lie to one another. Mm. Do not cut each other down with our own words. Mm. Take obscene talk. <laughs> obscene talk from your mouth. Remove it from your vocabulary. Yes. Obscene hey, talk. Hey, you tell me to do that. <laughs> you, whenever I say I'm bored, you tell me remove that from your vocabulary. That's what make. That's what will take you not to be bored anymore because you have to try to remove I'm bored from your vocabulary. <laughs> I have never used I'm remove bored. Remove it from your vocabulary, but don't remove it from your mind. Yeah. No, remove it from your mind. As Paul has written clearly that this is for all mankind, no matter who or what or how you identify yourself in this world to be of your ethnicity, this is for all. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. What's up, neighbor? neighbor. 
We angry? No, not we angry. We angry. We angry. We angry. That was Ubonics. <laughs> Reading of the word. You welcome. You welcome. You welcome. You welcome, Kelly. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So conducting yourself as a Christian means your speech and your actions will line up in what way? Always. With Christ. With grace. Mm. So fulfill the law of Christ. I don't know if we're reading that. That's Galatians 6 2. Yeah, I know. We're we haven't reading. read it yet. That's no, we're bury not you that on another's burdens. But yeah, in uh, grace, grace, forgiveness, grace, mercies, mm. love. Do we, do we like, oh man, that person, wow. Like, I like them. Oh, that person. Oh, no. Oh, I don't care for that person at all. Like, how do we, how do we make sure our speech and our actions line up? Uh, without speaking maliciously or wrathfully or evilly. You need to put yourself in situations with people. Don't remove yourself out and stay at home mm. and be content with, I'm working from home and I like my home. And I don't want to be around people no more. I don't want to be around anybody because, well, that, well, that does it. Because then I don't have to deal with people. And then there's, I mean, then there's the hiding behind your writings of it's easy to go and lamb blast somebody on the Insta or FB or Twitter or what have you. And hide. And hide. Yeah. I mean, you could totally change your name, your identity, but still they, they can find the tracking of who you are and where you live. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> somebody knows who you are. Metadata. <laughs> so get around people and learn your temperament, your own self of what it's like to be around other people because there's going to be smells that you know don't like about somebody there's going to be just a, a rubbing of the wrong way like maybe they just snub you uh maybe they just like well how are you doing today and they say like, a word differently than you sure. do and then it becomes a fight right so learn those things and talk to yourself of okay self I need to change in this way. Hmm. You know, this is not lining up with God's word. Yeah. I'm being angry towards this person for no reason because they didn't do anything to me. They just came across wrong. And that could be maybe that person's having a bad day. Maybe a loved one had passed away in their home. Maybe they got in a speeding ticket. I mean, who knows the situation that that person is going through? Right. Because we're not going to stop and go, hey, what are you dealing with today? But it may get to that point in life where you are actually truly concerned or sincerely concerned about your neighbor. Mm -hmm. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, what are the main points that this passage of Scripture is teaching us? Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery or debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reference for Christ. So the main points of this passage of Scripture mean that we should walk around like we're in a musical, always singing to each other. Love yes. That would be fun. <laughs> like, don't talk to me unless you're rapping or you're singing or you're opera singing. I don't think that's the main point, but what, what is the main point of this passage of Scripture really driving at? Well, what does a melody do? A melody makes you happy. Okay. Or a melody can make you sad. Okay. Or somber. Or a melody can make you nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. nostalgic for sure. Or yeah. just super, um, I don't know, crazy. Yeah. Make you go mad. But having a melody in your heart, a <laughs> hum. Uh-huh. Joy. 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 Yeah. Because yeah. like when people sing, it's like, what are you singing? And it puts a smile on their face. I'm singing or I'm humming. He's yeah. a jolly good fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. why not? <laughs> yeah, to make sure that we're constantly filled with joy, with happiness. Paul tells us the days are evil. The number of times that I hear people talk about the news reports and these things and, oh, how evil this world is, or even there is a, a, a couple of statements that I've heard people say of throughout my lifetime of, I don't want to have kids because I don't want them to be born into this evil world. Hey, Paul wrote this over 2,000 years ago, and if the world was evil then, and it's evil now, it's going to be evil in 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, whatever. And so therefore, that is kind of not the Christ-like way to look at things. The point is, is that we walk with an attitude, an air of joyfulness unto the Lord, and when somebody does wrong us, we still submit ourselves unto them as a loving neighbor, as a loving brother, as somebody who is willing to forgive. And I used to think the same way. Hmm. I still do in a way. There's this part of me that plays up. No, it's the end of times so when I'm in my... Yeah. Know, my, so I do think about it that why I shouldn't bring next generation into this world. My opinion on that is that it is our job to make the world a better place mm-hmm. and therefore... If we don't bring our offspring into this world and teach them in the ways of how the world can become a better place, then the world's not going to get better. And essentially, you're just making the world even more evil by not doing your part in bringing about a better world. Yeah, absolutely. So therefore, it's selfish for not wanting to help create a better world for your offspring. Well, and we're given a command, believe it or not, to marry and procreate. Um, So, I mean, that is the purpose of... Uh, Having sex is to have children. All right, last passage of scripture, Proverbs chapter 12, 17 through 22. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. Those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. So according to this proverb, or proverbs, there are a few of them, what does it say about our speech? Speak the truth. Yeah, speak the truth. Don't be deceitful. Do we walk around constantly trying to 
better people so that that way our life is improved and their life is diminished? Someone asked you a question. I remember being younger and I would say, do you want the truth or do you want me to lie? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like, how do I look? <laughs> okay. <laughs> how do you look? You want me to be honest in that answer or not honest? Hmm. Always be honest. Well, it's important for us to <laughs> not lie. I mean, this is a vital, it's, it's, it's one of the Ten Commandments that's given to Moses in Exodus chapter 20, where it's, it's, it's one of the do not lie, do not be deceitful, do not be dishonest, do not cheat, do not, like these are, and I'm elaborating on the one, one commandment of do not lie with all these extra similes, but the reality is, is that we can't, we can't be people who are looked at as, oh, I can't believe that person because all they ever do is lie. Like that's not a Christian, a godly witness. That's not showing godliness inside of our hearts. And so therefore we speak in truth as you started with. How is our speech to be more like Christ? Let's constantly bring our words, whether it's words that we're writing in a text message, in an email, putting it on social media, speaking verbally with our mouth, writing on a letter, Make sure that we are thinking before we speak and that thought process is one that we are allowing our mind to be renewed in Christ before we bring forth the information that we're supposed to bring forth. Speaking with truth, speaking without deceit, without lying, and speaking reverentially of our neighbors because they're so they're important. God created my neighbors. God created the people that live above me in this flat. He created the people that live below me in this flat, the people that are across the hall on any direction. As soon as you walk out of my flat, he created my neighbors and my old sector 80. And so therefore, I want to treat people with my words as Christ would treat. And that is lovingly. Close us in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for today and for every single day and that we will remain faithful to everybody and have a great, good heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any comments or questions, you can contact us on Instagram, on Twitter, or the email address that is found with the podcast that you are listening to us today. Bible Live out. <laughs>